Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. And we are here today with Michael Cox, who is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas and is a co-founder and therapist in private practice at Whole Life Priorities. But we're here to talk to him today because he is a master trainer for mental health first aid. Michael, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to have you. We are excited to have you on the show because we've heard a lot in the last few years about mental health first aid. It's everywhere. We've read tons of good stuff, tons of questionable stuff. There's just a lot of conversation about what mental health first aid is, who it's helping, what it does. And we're basically counting on you to answer all of it. So can you explain (laughs) to us exactly what is mental health first aid? No pressure. No pressure. I know, Professor. The first thing is probably the easiest thing. I don't know if you're looking for plugs, but mentalfirstaid.org, so it's Mental First Aid USA. Probably going to give you a whole lot more information than I'm going to give you. However, briefly, Mental First Aid started in Australia in 2001, came to the United States in 2008, and what we now call our adult curriculum. And in 2012, we started a pilot of uh, youth mental health first aids, where it's for adults that work with youth. There is now a teen mental health first aid for teens ages or grades 10 through 12. And the basics of mental health first aid is to be able to help individuals who are non-clinicians, individuals who are not trained in the mental health field, to know how to help an individual who uh, may be just having a mental health problem, so something that interrupts their day-to-day life, or in a mental health crisis. So very similar to CPR first aid, but for mental health. Just know what to do, build some confidence. Um, around individuals to know what to do if their friends, families, or someone in the community experiencing mental health problems, and then know how to get them to the appropriate help that's needed. Well, that sounds that, like a good thing. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Ooh. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I have taken both curriculums. I've taken Mental Health First Aid Youth, which uh, is sort of designed so that adults can work with young people. It's not designed to educate young people on how to spot a mental health crisis, but rather for adults to help out young folks. And then the the mental health first aid adult curriculum is for adults to help out other adults. So I've, I've taken them both. They're both very good classes, in my opinion. I think that they're in some ways, speaking as somebody who lives with bipolar disorder, I don't think that they go deep enough because it's mental health. It's not mental illness. It's looking for that spark. And in other ways, I think that there's just so much missing information when it comes to mental health, mental illness, and psychology that eight hours isn't enough. So can, can you talk a little bit about what somebody walking out of the eight-hour class is really trained or educated to do specifically? Yeah. When someone walks out of the class, the first thing that, you know, the biggest goal, I guess, of mental health first aid is that education and awareness piece. So the first thing is just to give a very basic understanding of what a mental health problem is and what um, an individual experiencing a mental health problem, what does that look like? So it's bringing that stigma down, reduction of that stigma and helping people be a little bit more aware of signs and symptoms. And so to know what is what a person might display and I might see going on in an individual's life. And it could be, you mentioned him in a health crisis earlier, and it could be in a crisis situation or just in a day-to-day life. And so not everybody that experiences a mental health problem is necessary to the point of, a, of an actual crisis. An individual walking out of that class will be able to know when there's something that's happening that's disrupting an individual's life for a long period of time, let's say about two weeks. 
um, to know something's happening, something's going on. They may not, they're not going to be able to diagnose. They're not going to be able to come out with an actual diagnosis of what that problem is, but get a very general understanding of what the problem is. And so in the adult curriculum, they go into a lot more detail with some specific disorders, just to give a little bit more understanding, as you can imagine, for adults, most adults, if they're experiencing a mental health problem, are pretty much going to be in the throes of it. And so the way it's presented in adults is going to be different than in the youth. And so in our adult curriculum, individuals are able to walk away with a little bit more understanding of what are, you know, depression, anxiety, psychosis, suicide awareness, and just some basics around suicide. And then once I see someone experiencing these problems, disrupting their life, I know what to do. There's a little more confidence in being able to respond. So if you just simply take something like CPR first aid, you know, we don't go in and give you the tools to do heart surgery or um, reset a bone, uh, but know what to do initially so someone else that has more training than you to be able to help, so kind of stabilize things. And so Mental Health does that, and we do it in those different modules, as you said. You have an adult to adult, um, adult to youth, and that's our youth program. And then now our newest one is teen, and with the teenagers in high school, 10th grade through 12th grade. And so just building a confidence and an awareness around what to do if someone's experiencing a mental health problem and or a crisis and how to differently respond and how to get them to the help that's necessary. One of the things that I think we should probably clarify is that, you know, so many people think that mental health first aid is designed to help people respond to people who are mentally ill. It's like, well, this is a way the society can interact with the mentally ill, help the mentally ill, stop the mentally ill, prevent the mentally ill, et cetera, et cetera. You know, obviously I I think it's very, very important if I myself am in a crisis because of bipolar disorder, I want somebody to help me, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. called mental health first aid for a reason, because there's a world of difference between mental health and mental illness. Can you talk about that for a moment? In the training, we uh, kind of purposely use the words like mental health problem to kind of give just kind of a broad overview. And we use that for a couple of purposes. One, for your average mental health first aider, they are going to get the skills and techniques to know how to diagnose. And so we don't want someone walking away feeling like they've got that tool. Um, but we're just talking about when something is disrupting an individual's life. And so for a first aider, if I'm engaged with someone, I can tell if something's happening that's outside of their norm. Uh, that may be outside of what they're experiencing and going through, and it's maybe interrupting their ability to go to work, their ability to engage in their daily activities, or ability to have satisfying relationships. So something's going on, something's happening, um, and I can figure out how do I engage as a first aider and to help that individual or aid that individual. And if needed, professional help is needed, we try to connect that individual to professional help. Um, the opposite end of that is an individual who actually has an actual diagnosis. And so an individual who's seen a trained professional and has been through the process of assessment and has an actual diagnosis of an actual mental illness. And so you still can utilize mental health first aid in those situations, but first aiders are going to walk away with the ability to make that diagnosis. And so we learn or we help try to teach folks what their role is in those individuals' lives. And we use the general term mental health problems just to help community individuals to know they don't really have to worry about or try try to focus on the diagnosis itself. It's just simply noticing someone's experiencing a problem or a crisis, and what do I do in the situation to help them out? The distinction is mental health problem. We use that as a general term when it comes to identifying uh, when something's disrupting an individual's life. And then we look at actual diagnoses. So an example of depression or anxiety disorders. We look at what those are, what the criteria of those are, 
what an individual might ex be experiencing in those, and just for general education for the community to understand those and get a better understanding and what, how to respond in those specific situations. Each participant walks away with a manual that goes in much more detail on some of those um, disorders and more specifically on what the role of a first aider might be in the lives of individuals experiencing those specific illnesses or disorders. Thank you. I'm, I have a, a question about one of the, uh, I guess you call them modules. You have the adult and you have the youth, and you mentioned a teen one. Now, yeah. is, that, is that one similar to the adult one in that it's for adults to recognize the symptoms in, in teens, or is it for teens to also be involved in that end of it? I'm ex really excited about this one. It's, so it's in the pilot stage. We have eight um, high schools or youth communities across this, the country. They're currently our pilot sites that are piloting this brand-new curriculum. And so the National Council for Behavioral Health partnered with uh, Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation to bring this to the United States. And so this curriculum also started, originated in Australia, um, but the format is completely different. It is for, so adults will be teaching the course, but they are teaching uh, teenagers from 10th grade to 12th grade or 15 to 18, and they are being trained to be first aiders. So very similar to the adult curriculum and then the youth adults working with teenagers, this is for teenagers for their peers to know exactly how to help when they're in certain situations. And the biggest premise of that is to be able to recognize signs and symptoms, but also to know how to get that young person to a trusted adult. Not helping teenagers take on the problems or diagnose or any of those things. It's simply like the other two curriculums. When something's going on, something's happening, I recognize something going on with my friend, how do I intervene if necessary, and how do I get them to a trusted adult? Excellent. I was hoping you'd say that. Yep. So it's great. I uh, got the privilege of being one of the national trainers to help develop the, the instructor training. I will say the curriculum is amazing. I work with teenagers on a regular basis and constantly hear them trying to help their peers, and many do in different ways, but really just not feeling equipped. And so this really does give them a chance. The format right now is developed in, to be taught in schools, uh, going to be part of their curriculum. And so they can either do five 45-minute sessions, or they can do three 75-minute sessions, and they are taught within the school settings. It can be done outside of the schools, but it's been set up right now. The majority of our pilot thoughts are in schools. We're going to step away to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face -face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. Welcome back. We're discussing mental health first aid with Michael Cox. So you've said that the, the primary purpose of mental health first aid is kind of a see something, do something kind of model, just like in, in regular first aid, you know, rather than, oh, you broke your leg, we don't know what to do, so we're going to just leave you here. We know that in mental health, a lot of people notice that something's wrong. Their friend seems off, or their friend is depressed, or their friend is just not acting normal, or the same with a coworker or a stranger, but they don't know what to do, and therefore they do nothing, or they get angry and they actually make the problem worse. Right. What are some examples that you give? If I'm a person in the workplace and I think, huh, my coworker is acting odd. What would yeah. be like step number one? Is there a way to assess? 
Yeah, Mohawk um, First Aid has an action plan, and the action plan is algae, not the green stuff that grows in the water, uh, but it's A-L-G-E-E. -E. The A stands for Assess for Risk of Suicide or Harm. L is Listen Non-Judgmentally. The G is Give Reassurance and Information. The first E is Encourage Appropriate Professional Help. And then the last E is Encourage Self-Help and Other Support Strategies. And so just as you would with a CPR first aid, when we notice something happening, so if we go take that scenario that you just gave in a workplace, that assessing for risk of suicide or harm, you're kind of always in that process. And so our algae is not necessarily a linear or follow each step. Um, it can happen in many different ways, depending on the circumstance and the situation and the relationship with that individual. But the first thing you're going to assess and recognize is something has changed. So something different from what my colleague has uh, typically present as. And so if they are coming to work late where they used to come in right on time, oftentimes early, or they come in disheveled, right? They're not taking care of themselves or they look like they're down. Um, and this is happening over a consistent long period of time, couple of weeks. Um, that's the very first thing we want to see. We want to see a shift, a change in what their presentation is, what it typically has been. And then the part of that process when you come think about listening, the very first thing I want to do is recognize it, right? I want to see that assessment. But then when I think about approaching that individual, um, I want to consider that individual's privacy, confidentiality. And so if I'm going to approach someone, I want to do it in a way that's not going to embarrass them, that's not going to point them out, yet also show that I care. And we're going to talk about my observations. So you don't want to go up and accuse someone or point someone out necessarily. Just talking about what is it that I've observed that has shifted in their presentation, in their behavior, and ask if things okay and give them the opportunity to respond accordingly. And oftentimes people are pretty relieved when someone has noticed something in their life I and mean, they have the freedom as an adult to say, hey, I'm good, everything's okay. But we're just making an observation and deciding from that ob observation and how we listen to that individual, we determine what's the next step, right? And so it may be to an appropriate professional. Oftentimes in a workplace, an individual, they may have an EAP, so it's a employee assistant program. And so it may be connecting them to a professional that if they need it or if they have access to that. Or it just simply may be, hey, can we support you? you want to go grab some coffee or you have some physical needs that we can, practical needs that we can try to help meet. And so it may be that they need to connect to a professional or they just need some, maybe some community support and looking what that looks like for that individual. And so if you were following that action plan, um, you would have that individual looking through that process how to approach their colleague. Got it. Thank okay. you so much. This sounds, well, great. Frankly, <laughs> um, this program was not created to train professionals, although there are many professionals that take the course. But I think the, the big deal is that the goal is just to better equip people with a level of confidence, reduce stigma, and build awareness around the reality that people experience mental health problems. Because we know that not professionals aren't always available, right? They're not always around and not always needed. Mental health first aid just gives another way to be put that. It's not all-inclusive program. We cover some very specific, very basic topics and disorders and things like that, but there are so many programs that are out there that go in more in-depth in each and every one of those, typically they're around suicide. There are some trainings that are out there that are all equipped and all prepared just for suicide. Mental Health First Aid just touches a portion of that. And so it is just a very general, basic community course, community-level course to give build that awareness and reduce the stigma. I, I completely agree. And I think that whenever you're discussing mental health or mental illness, you're going to get people that are uneasy or uncomfortable. 
Yeah. You know, there's people that are like, yeah. no, 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 mental illness and mental health only happens to weak people and we don't want to talk about it. You're, you're babying people. And then we have people on the other side that you're infantilizing the mentally ill. We can do whatever we want and we don't need a class and, and everything yeah. in between. One of the things that I really liked about the class, you kind of touched on a little bit. You said that there was a small discussion about suicide and, and you're right. In an eight hour day, there's mm-hmm. lots of different topics. It's not the most prevalent, but one of the exercises in there that I believe in very, very strongly is everybody takes one or two minutes to ask the question. You do not allow an answer. Are you feeling suicidal? Mm -hmm. Are you planning on killing yourself? Mm -hmm. And the curriculum states, you're not supposed to say, are you planning on hurting yourself? Because the person who is suicidal isn't planning on hurting themselves. Uh, hurt is pain and you live through that. They're planning something more. But the number of people in the room that just asking it, you know, as an exercise, you could see the uncomfortable feelings were palpable. Uh, And these are people that got themselves up, signed up for a class, came to the class or participating in a class and just saying, are you suicidal made them visibly uncomfortable. So you can only imagine how they're going to do if they actually feel that somebody uh, is a danger to themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that little portion and why that's so valuable? Yeah, great section. In the general community, there is still a a misconception or even um, fictional belief around if I ask someone about suicide or if I talk about suicide, I'm going to plant that idea in that individual's head. Fortunately, we know that there's plenty of research out there that tells us that this isn't true. Being very direct, we talk about being direct with a specific question because we're looking for a very specific answer. So the comparison that you use when it comes to the difference between asking about hurting myself as opposed to killing myself. If someone is thinking about that finality, that final decision of taking their life and ending their life, that's different from hurting. And so if I was to ask someone who's thinking about uh, killing themselves or ending their lives, and I was to say, are you thinking about hurting yourself? That person could be very honest with me and say no, because their goal or outcome isn't harm, it's to die. And so we talk about being very specific with that. And many people are uncomfortable uh, with asking that question because many that come to our classes it's the very first time they've ever had to utter those words. And so we ask folks to practice because it's a little bit to do with the muscle memory. Uttering the words just for the first time gives a person a level of confidence that's saying that at least I have said the words. doesn't mean they're going to be completely comfortable or even comfortable doing it if they are in that situation, but they at least ask the question um, and have gotten the words out of their mouth so that if they're in that situation again, it's not stumbling over those. And we talk about being visibly confident. Uh, we use the example oftentimes of the duck on water. Ducks on the water, on the top of the water, they're just kind of smooth sailing, gliding, appearing as if they're good and all things are confident. But if you look under the water, they've got their feet just pedaling really, really fast to try to move smoothly across the water. So we talk about appearing as that duck on top of the water because it becomes a level of comfort and maybe reassurance for that individual that you're talking to that may be at that place. There's a level of confidence we ask people to, to get to in asking that question. And so asking it to someone directly in the class gives you a chance to at least for the first time, if not the only time that they've actually asked that question and have a level of confidence in doing so. Thanks for that. We're getting close to the end of the show, so I want to want to wrap up with one final question for you. Mm-hmm. When it comes right down to it, Do you think that this program makes people safer? I do. I think it makes them safer, and I think it makes people safer because we are equipping your general community with the tool they need to be able to notice the signs and symptoms, the risk factors that are there, and to hopefully have a level level of confidence of how to approach someone and provide the aid that they can or get them to the professionals that they need to. And then even more so, probably even greater than that, is there's a level of stigma reduction that's happening where people are more aware of what mental illnesses 
and are able to be more confident in approaching someone and not scared, as you said in the beginning of the, the program, not, a, not afraid or not increasing the stigma around it, but having a better level of confidence, therefore able to reach out to individuals that they see that things are going on and maybe more confident in approaching them. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I, I myself, as somebody living with bipolar disorder, got a lot out of the class. I especially like the part in youth mental health first aid where they reminded all of the adults that, you know, youth have a lot going on. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, for, for the listeners, Michael was my trainer. That's how we initially connected. And you were like, okay, so the, you know, you got a, you got a 16, 17 year old breaks up with his uh, first boyfriend, girlfriend, the, the, the love is lost. It's all over. The class was, you know, pretty like, ah, who cares? This is no big deal. 16 year old breaks up with their, their date. Why it happens to everybody? Yeah. We're paying mortgages here. <laughs> we got jobs. Uh, and then, and then, you know, you were like, okay, you know, a couple, you let us go for a couple of seconds. And, you know, then you were basically like, uh, okay, and that's how you felt when you were 16 too, right? Well, then all of a sudden we got angry. We're like, no, this was the most important thing in the world when it happened to us. And because you're right, adults have this tendency to minimize every single experience that happens to a young person. Uh, mm -hmm. Because we feel like, hey, we survived, so so can you. Uh, and that right. is very damaging and detrimental. So uh, that alone is worth the price of admission, just yeah. to realize that, you know, young people go through stuff and it's the first time they've gone through it. So, mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot more than just that. That was just a, an incredible piece. Um, to take us out of here, tell us again what algae means and we will head on out. Thank <laughs> you so much, Michael, for being here. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. So algae, the A stands for assess for risk of suicidal harm. The L is listen non-judgmentally. The G is give reassurance and information. The first E is encourage appropriate professional help. And the final E is encourage self-help and other support strategies. That is really awesome. Thank you, Michael, so much. Uh, again, Mental Health First Aid is offered by the National Council. That website is in the show notes, but Michael, can you give it to us one more time? Yes, site for Mental Health First Aid is mentalhealthfirstaid.org very, very cool. All right. Thank you, Michael, for being here. And thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. Remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere, simply by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to the Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psychcentral is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at gabehoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. 
One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.